conspiracy theories, eh? Wait till you get a load of this. Hello, and welcome to Cracked Sisters Conspiracies. We're a podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all over spooky shit. My name's Jackie. And I'm Cassandra. And we are said sisters. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of okay, my goal today is not to say okay. Okay. In reviewing (laughs) and listening to our previous episodes, I have come to the stark realization that I use okay and apparently um as a crutch and I really need to work on not having as much verbal filler. I mean, I say um a lot too. I just edit it out. But the okays that I drop is... That's a you thing. I've never... It's 100% I have no memory of you saying okay a lot. I don't know why I hone in on it. I think it's because as a woman, I am... I feel like I need to, like, verbally acknowledge when people are telling me things. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I hear you. Okay, continue. And clearly, you know that I'm listening because I'm sitting right next to you. And if it's not your story... And you don't say, okay, you're just silent. And it's like, that, I'm talking true. to myself. But I need to find a different way to interject. So, <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Babaloo. I don't know. So, I'll, I'll find some other filler space. But just know that I, I hear you. I see you. I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> can you, I say okay? <laughs> you can say okay. Just not in the, the copious amounts that I do. All right. Well, hello. Welcome. Hello. It's Friday. Fucking Friday. It's my Sunday. Uh, that is your Sunday. Sad. I feel bad for you. But I ran screaming from my office. I'm in my second drink and I made it twice the size. So. <laughs> I didn't do anything today except notes for this. And sweated it in my house because it was very hot. Sweated it. I think sweated. you added an extra syllable there. That's okay. It was, it's hot. I don't it know is. where this came from. We were. It's f- going to be hot for the next 10 days at least. So I think we're finally hitting summer. Are we almost at pool season? Yeah. I think last year it started May where we could tolerate going in the water. We're almost there. Yeah. But then last year, the summer went until like September or October. It fucked everything up it was for the rest of the season. It was extensively long. Yeah. No, th- today was the first time I got in my truck leaving the office and I didn't have my windshield, the windshield cover on burn my ass cheeks on the seat. So that's when I knew we were moving into a new season. So I made the dogs. I'm sure you've seen it on TikTok. It's like you take a bowl and you smear some peanut butter on it and some, or Greek yogurt. And then you put toppings in it and then you fill it with water and freeze it. Oh, okay. No, so I, I did that for all the dogs mm-hmm. and <laughs> they loved it. They kept them busy for like 45 minutes. I should do that for this shithead over here. Yeah. Apparently so- who he went on a big adventure today because Evan tried to leave the house and didn't have Gracie shut the door and off he went. They found him up the street. Oh, so. no. <laughs> but anyway, what is our topic of discussion today? I feel like it's been a long time since we've recorded. Did we miss a week? Yes. We did. Why did we? We missed a week because you went to San Diego and I went camping. That was weeks ago. We did Tupac, which. Oh, that was literally last week. 
was it really? Has this week been that long <laughs> yeah. that it feels like it I was, was super a long. month ago? Yes, I think so, actually. God damn. Okay. But anyway, today we are covering <laughs> Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Oh. So it was super interesting. I didn't know a whole lot about it. I got probably 98% of my facts from the new Netflix documentary that was released like within a month ago. And I'm fairly certain Evan had put that on in the background not that long ago. I put it on to fall asleep, but it was highly interesting the first, you know, couple of seconds that I paid attention to it. So like I said, that's where I got most of my stuff. It was a three hour long series. So if you oh. have three hours to, to waste, uh, I would suggest watching that, but that's basically where most of the research was taken from today, a little bit from the internet. So take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. One source. Well, there's. It's not like it's one. It's not promoting just one theory of one, what happened. One side there is the, okay. four theories in that series of possibilities that it could have happened, along with numerous amount of other theories from other individuals not associated to the documentary. Okay. What do you know about Malaysian Airlines? Um. My very limited recollection and knowledge was it's it was a flight on Malaysian Airlines. That <laughs> wow, what a genius. Essentially, because again, I know nothing about what? it, but it was like a Bermuda Triangle kind of thing. Like, did it crash? Is it in the ocean? Did people disappear? So I also thought it was associated to the Bermuda Triangle. It is not. It, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then honestly, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So I am here to be educated today. Okay, you're gonna learn something today. And I'm fairly certain, yeah, it was on in the background and I was reading. So it was really interesting, actually. Well, not that interesting if I didn't pay attention. <laughs> well, you're gonna pay attention now. So Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 was an international passenger flight operated by obviously Malaysian Airlines that disappeared on March 8th, 2014, while flying from Kuala Lumpur International Airport to its planned destination, Beijing Capital International Airport in China. Hmm. The plane was a Boeing 777, as they call it. I don't know what that means. Is that big? Is that small? I don't know plane size. It's a relatively, it's like a normal commercial size plane. I have been on one flight in the last 15 years. Oh my gosh. It was when we went to Vegas. That was the last time I had been on a <laughs> the plane. The shortest flight you could possibly take. Prior to that, I'm fairly certain is when I went to see the Canadian when I was like 17. Yeah, because you never came to see me in Ohio. Nope. No, I didn't because <laughs> I suck. Well, it's, it's a normal sized commercial plane that you would get on. Uh, there were 227 passengers and 12 crew aboard. The flight took off around midnight and was set to arrive in Beijing around dawn because it was a red-eye flight. Ew. <laughs> Have you ever flown a red-eye? No, I think the longest <laughs> flight I've ever been on was going to South Carolina when we went to go see Grandpa when we were children, oh, but, that. but that was like multiple flights. Then you're doing a lot of judging for someone who does not fly. Uh, you know what? The hour it took to fly to Vegas, that was the longest hour of my life. It was 45 so minutes. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Multiply that by however many hours. Absolutely not. If I am in a tin can, I need space. And you're being kind of hurtled through space, one could argue. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the kind of space I'm talking about. Okay, I see. Anywho, like I said, on March 8th at 12.41 a.m., the flight took off. It was a clear night and it was headed out over the South China Sea. I learned a lot about seas and oceans and shit I'd never known. Is there a North China Sea? I don't know. <laughs> I never took geography. 
<laughs> I am, what's the word that I'm looking for? Retarded. We can't say that. <laughs> it's 2023. People are going to come for us with pitchforks. I'm directionally challenged yes. and I have no sense of where I am at any time. Same. Cool. Shortly after 1 a.m., the plane was about to leave Malaysian airspace and the next jurisdiction of air traffic control is Vietnam. So this is shortly after they have Yes, so they took off at 1241 and this is a couple minutes past 1 a.m. So within a 20-minute time frame, so they're leaving Malaysia air, they're going into Vietnam space. Yes, because the trajectory in which they're going, there's a tiny pocket of, like, I call it, I think, gray area, gray space, where you leave Malaysian Airlines, but you haven't yet arrived in Vietnam. So you aren't talking to anyone. And no one can hear you, really. I mean, they could if you talked, but you would be rerouted to a different... Interesting. Okay. And that's kind of important for a lot of the theories in this so we'll story yeah that. as the plane approached the limits of malaysian airspace the captain of the flight zahari shah got on the radio and said good night because malaysian Airlines said good night you're about to go to vietnam have a have a good flight so he said good night and at 1 20 in the morning 90 seconds after saying good night the plane went electronically dark and vanished from radar just poof uh-huh. gone crisis director for malaysian airlines faud shari well, now I have to look. These names are kind of difficult. You know what? We're just going to go with what you said. Crisis and- director. We hope <laughs> to offend no one. Our apologies in advance. So he was awoken at 2.20 in the morning and told that from now on, Malaysian Airlines is just going to be shortened to MH370. Is that really shortened, though, like verbally when you have to say that out loud? Malaysian Airlines 370. So it's eight. Or MH3705. Okay, fine. Wow, counting it out and everything. So like I said, he was awoken at 2.20 hours and told that MH370 was missing from their system. He requested Thailand, Hong Kong, and Vietnam to try to call and reach out to them, but none of them were able to get a response. At 6.30 in the morning, five hours since the last contact, they reported to the news that the airline was lost and the crisis director estimated that the aircraft had enough fuel to last approximately until 8.30 in the morning. So they had about two, two hours. hours. Uh-huh. At 7.20 in the morning, six hours since the last contact, search and rescue was activated, and standard procedure was to start where the aircraft was originally lost on the radar screen, which would be in that gray area between Malaysian airspace and Vietnam airspace. Okay. So is it is this over land? Is it This over is water? over the South China Sea. That's right. Okay. So there were calls from the crew working on an oil rig in the South China Sea that they said they saw an explosion and whatever exploded crashed into the ocean. The plane. The plane. Vietnam Air Force planes spotted two large oil slicks in the area off of the southern tip of Vietnam. And each oil slick was approximately six miles wide. Six miles? So they thought, okay, it's an oil with jet fuel, it's from a plane. The plane must have landed here. Oh, okay. I would not have immediately concluded that, but that's not my wheelhouse, so. (laughs) Cathay Pacific pilot reported seeing a large solid debris in the ocean during a flight from Hong Kong to Kuala Lumpur, which is a little bit out of the way. So these are all just the random people that are calling in saying, I saw something here. I saw so something there. So reports coming yeah, in. Yeah, so that's so what all these are. Uh-huh. They're in info gathering mode right now. Uh-huh. Got it. 
a pilot from an overnight flight from Tokyo was positioned 30 minutes ahead of MH370, and he called MH370 on the emergency frequency. The pilot reported hearing a loss of interference, static, and mumbling. So my belief on that or my understanding is that MH370 was supposed to be 30 minutes behind, behind. but they were now ahead of. So they were like, hey, what are you doing? You're not, you're supposed to be behind me. This isn't jiving something. So when they asked, that's when they heard the static and just kind of mumbling. And that's all they were able to hear. There were additional possibilities or theories such as it was hijacked and flown to Iran in preparation of a terror attack, mechanical failure, pilot suicide, aliens, it was struck by a meteorite, a fire from lithium batteries inside the cargo, it was an insurance scam. Was it a galaxy tablet that exploded (laughs) inside of the plane? I don't think they used, I don't think those were out yet in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. So the theories go on. There is many people speculating any any number of possibilities. Uh Got it. So all of the family members of the flight crew and the passengers Mm -hmm. were flown and told to meet at this local hotel in Beijing, which is where the flight was supposed to end. So they were like, hey, everyone, something happened. Because they hadn't. Yes. So I believe the the news got out to some people prior to them being personally contacted. So then they said, everyone just come to this one hotel in Beijing and we can tell everyone at once what's going on, what information that we know. So while at the hotel, many family members obviously were calling the cell phones of their missing loved ones. And instead of the call going straight to voicemail, the calls continued to ring through. And one family member received a phone call from her father's cell phone, but it stopped ringing just before she could answer it. I guess she was like running around like, what do I do? What do I do? And they're like, fucking answer it. And and then it. it oh, no. I know. It didn't so, go through. I think as we have experienced in other Vegas trips, if you put a phone in airplane mode, it goes straight to voicemail, right? Yes. It doesn't. Okay. Correct. So that would probably be the the normal state. But it wasn't going phone, straight. Yes. So they thought that's weird because if they crashed, the phone was off, or if it was in airplane mode, it shouldn't be ringing through. So, like, okay, I'm trying to picture myself as a passenger and, like, some shit's going down. I'm un- undoing airplane mm-hmm. mode because I'm frantically going to try uh-huh. to reach out. But also, does it work when you're in the air? My assumption is you can't communicate, but I'm... Well, if you buy in-flight oh, you have Wi-Fi, that option, you can right? text... Because Alex always buys it, and he can always text me when he's so it like it sends over the data. Like, Uh oh, okay. How scary! Oh, I know. Continue. Families and loved ones were begging the Malaysian government to trace the cell phones, but they were told that they did not have the technology to do so. They can't like triangulate. So they're saying obviously it's ringing, which means the phone is still on. Therefore, go fucking trace it and find out where the people are. You'll solve the mystery. I feel like if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's the Asians. Apparently not. (laughs) They said, sorry, we don't have that technology. I don't believe that. (laughs) Even in 2014. So on March 9th, 24 hours since the last contact, South Vietnam was searching for MH370 in the ocean. And they found that the oil residue that was previously reported, the one that was six miles long, it had been tested in a lab and it had come from a ship, not an aircraft. So it wasn't from the plane. Correct. It was just from a boat or a ship. What a dink. 
And then, so this left people with a couple big questions. One being how or why was the communication with MH370 lost in the first place? Right. Because I guess a modern commercial jetliner had multiple ways of communicating with the outside world. And every single one of those multiple ways went dark exactly at the same time. Everything failed. Everything failed. The most reasonable answer, according to a person who's smart in this, <laughs> would have been a catastrophic failure, meaning the plane blew up, there was a massive fire, it crashed into the ocean, etc. Something that would, on Something impact... Something you're not coming back from. Exactly. And okay. that's what causes everything to go down at once. That was not likely, though, due to the fact that no debris was found in or around the area when the plane lost all communication. So there was no supporting evidence that something like that is what Correct, happened, because two hours the later, they sent out search and rescue to go to that area, and it's just completely swarmed with people, and no one is finding anything. Weird. And then another question that people had, or a possibility of what happened, was that someone on board purposefully turned off all the electronic communication signals, which would signify an inside job or a hijacking or something oh. like that. Like they personally did it, but everyone else wasn't aware that it was going to be sure. happening. Got it. On March 10th, two days since the last contact, okay. the plane was hundreds of miles off course. That's what they found. So they're they're going through the data that they had that showed its trajectory. And they found that instead of continuing straight, it turned and went hundreds of miles in, a, in the opposite direction. So they were able to at least like ping a location, yes. I guess? Okay. Somewhat, yes. I think it, the planes have, like, black boxes, I assume, kind of like cars. I don't understand how the black box magic works. Cars have it, too? Yeah, so I know if, if there's, like, a fatal car accident or something, you can pull the black box and it'll tell you the speed, the direction, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how it works, especially oh. if the car is completely mangled, but... I assume planes have that if cars have that. I've heard of black boxes with planes, but I didn't understand the functionality and the, yeah. how that all works. So they were able to find out that it went off track because of military radar, not because the plane showed, because the plane went dark, so therefore it has no way of tracking it. But apparently there was a close-by military radar that was able to say, hey, we picked up something. something. Oh. They couldn't... 100% confirm it was MH370, but they said it might be. There was a blip. There was a blip. This is what was. we saw. Got it. And then the radar also did not tell them the altitude, airspeed, or even what type of aircraft. It couldn't tell you it was a plane, a jet, a helicopter. They just know something uh -huh. was within their, their realm. But so that was more than they had. So they kind of ran with that. On March 11th, three days since the last contact, 40 ships and 34 aircraft from 14 different countries still had not located MH370 or any signs of it. They were searching in the South China Sea, but now they were also searching in the Andaman Sea. Sure. Sure. Andaman, Andaman. Andaman Sea. Since that was the area the plane had turned around, allegedly, and been flying over. So it's going over the South China Sea. It went, nope, just kidding. I'm going to go this way. And now this is the Andaman Sea. Got it. So they go, so, okay, like so now maybe left. Yeah. Okay. So now maybe it's over here. So they started searching that area. March 12th, four days since the last contact, an aviation journalist named Jeff Wise and an aviation expert named Mike Exner was communicating with the group, which they called themselves the independent group. Like, so all these basically internet sleuths are getting on and going, we mm. can solve this. So 
never undermine the power of right? the internet. Exactly. It's a community. People come together. Shit gets accomplished. It's agree. impressive. So yeah, they created their little group called the Independent Group, which is made up of pilots, engineers, scientists, legal experts, mechanical engineers, electronical engineer. No. Electric. Electrical engineers. Oh my God, I just had a stroke. So people who know shit about shit. Uh -huh. We don't know Correct. anything about so, and all other plane experts, because they wanted to run their own investigation to try to figure out what happened. And you know what? I'm kind of jumping ahead. Were they more successful than, like, the well, it depends. official? Or so, each... They had their own findings, I They guess. had their own finding and their own theory. Okay. So, I guess we'll explore that uh -huh. a little bit more. Perfect. So... Pilots inside of the independent group were theorizing that the pilot or the co-pilot of MH370 were somehow either involved or at fault. So potentially maliciously uh -huh. or something maybe accidental happened or... They are thinking more maliciously. They think something... It was intentional. Intentional, yes. Got it. So there was a separate group, because there's all these groups popping up now, called <laughs> the Tom Nodders. Excuse me? <laughs> I don't know why they... They created a platform called Tom Nod. And invited everyone to go to it where they could view high-resolution satellite pictures of the area where MH370 may have gone down. Be over the South China Sea. So while on this Tom Nod platform, while searching through these satellite images of the South China Sea, <laughs> uh, a woman named Cindy Hendry was able to locate a white blob. A blob. A blob. A blip a blob. While researching the schematics of a Boeing 777, she was able to identify the white blob as a piece of the nose cone. Of the plane. Of a plane. Got it. She continued to find more white blobs, and she realized that they looked more and more like different parts of the aircraft. Like a wing here, part of the, the body there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. On March 15th, seven days since last contact, the Malaysian prime minister announced that Based on new satellite communication, he confirmed that MH370 turned back over peninsular Malaysia before turning northwest. Because of that, they were ending the operations in the South China Sea and moving their assets. So basically what he's saying is, we have confirmed through satellite communication that they for sure did not go over the South China Sea and disappear. They for sure turned around and went back the other way. Gotcha. Which is what the military radar had That's suggested. They, okay. So they're saying, yep, it's for sure now. But it's not super sure because the prime minister continued by saying the plane's last communication with the satellite was in one of two possible locations. I don't understand how they don't know. <laughs> but option one was that the plane went south and ended up crashing somewhere in the remote southern Indian Ocean. Okay. And then option number two is that the plane went north to Central Asia and possibly landed somewhere in Kazakhstan. Again, as someone who is geographically, directionally challenged, uh -huh. it sounds like they're very far apart. Do I get a visual Yeah, here? I can draw you out because I've seen enough of this. So this is the South China Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Vietnam yes. is over here. This is where they took off. Roughly, because they were going in this trajectory. This is where they lost communication. So half of the right people, after, originally it. they believed they just fell into the ocean and that's where they died. But now they're saying, nope, we for sure have evidence that we cannot back up. That they took we a hard... We have evidence that we can't support. Basically, that they took a hard <laughs> reverse 
went this way. And then now they either went option one, which is south towards the southern Indian Ocean. Okay. Or they went north towards Kazakhstan and landed. That's a huge swath. Right. It, it, it covers a bit. This is my crew drawing for anyone who wants to see. But that, okay. It doesn't really narrow it down. It no. But because of this new revelation, they said, fuck looking over here. All we know is that hard left is where we need to be focusing. Yep. So they took all the resources away from the South China Sea and they're now moved it to one of two options, whether it's South Indian Ocean or North towards Kazakhstan. Am I going to throw a wrench in the gears by asking, is that the right call? Do you know? Okay. That (laughs) I didn't know if you had some other like four hours of research and there's no definitive answer. Got it. So there had been pings by a certain satellite called Inmerstat. And this company is very important to basically everyone's theory of what happened. So Inmerstat? I-N-M-A-R-S-A-T. Okay. They had been checking with the MH370 about every hour by sending pings. So it's like remotely, satellitically... <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. It's the word now. So once every hour, it would send a ping to the aircraft would saying, get a you guys good? Back? And then it would receive a ping back saying, yeah, we're good. Kind so of there thing. was some form of communication. It was not. It wasn't human communication. It's not like the pilot. But they were able it. to. It was satellite communication. With the aircraft. With the aircraft. So that happened for six hours, once every hour, until it lost contact completely. So it. Continued for six hours after they originally lost contact. Got it. Okay. And then it went dark that again. That was the thing I was, I was stuck on because, like, they lost contact almost immediately, it seemed They like. did, yes. But this, this separate was able to send pings and get response pings for six hours after originally going dark. It's like I send out a signal and bouncing off metal, but, uh-huh. like... That doesn't mean anyone's alive. I don't know where it is. Correct. I don't the know metal any... recipient is responding. God. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. So it, it there's no confirmation or denial of, you know, existence of life or anything no. like that. They're just, there's a body of something that is reciprocating a ping. Yeah. From okay. Inmerstat. Yes. Which tells us something, but not really anything. Correct. So the prime minister then came and made a new statement that MH370 was not an accident and that the plane was deliberately flown off course by the main pilot slash captain, who again was Zahari Shah. Do we know any more about him? You you find out a little bit. Okay. Deep dive later. So authorities raided Shah's residence and they seized his at-home flight simulator, which I guess is pretty popular if you're a pilot. Whoa. But it's like a whole room. Like they showed a picture. It's like, like a, a whole a room. Legit, yeah. not like some video not game this. console. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. So they took it because they wanted to check it and see if the flight MH370 had been practiced prior. Oh, to, to see the if this was something like intentional by the pilot. Yeah. Yes. On March 24th, 16 days after they lost contact. Almost my half birthday. No one cares. Everyone should care. (laughs) Why do you know that? (laughs) Why don't you know that? When's your half birthday? December 3rd. Is that right? Six months, right? Yeah. My birthday's June 3rd. Six months would be December 3rd. Okay, I guess. (laughs) 
See, I don't care about yours. I care Obviously about not. It's all about me. <laughs> so like I said, March 24th, your half birthday, the prime minister gave yet another press conference. He stated that he had been briefed by representatives from the UK Air Accidents Investigation Branch, also easily known as AAIB. That's easier to digest. So prime minister had a meeting with AAIB and Immerstat, which is the satellite company. Right. Okay. And based on both of their analysis through the satellite data, AAIB and Immerstat were able to conclude that MH370 took option one and flew along the southern corridor. So they, once they turned they went around, left and down. they went down towards the southern Indian Ocean, which in their theory originally would mean a catastrophic crash. Oh, no. So option one was no chance of life option two was a little bit of chance of but life. they're leaning toward option one apparently according to the statistical data that's what they concluded oh and so basically they just told everyone that all 239 people are dead because there's no way they could have gone that route and survived but they can't fully quantify that they're like this is just what we suspect happens correct so prepare yourselves you just need to kind of accept that this is likely yes oh so families God. are fucking pissed obviously because yeah. they, and they demanded that the malaysian authorities tell them the truth because they think they're lying to them or they're not giving them the whole truth and they want them to go find their loved ones because they keep there's making these unanswered statements questions. of definitives without having any facts to back it up and they're just asking these families to believe what they say even though what they say changes on a weekly basis no i i would be one of those pissed families this leads us to our first theory which is that we haven't even scratched the surface of the four <laughs> theories. By the way, this is going to be probably a multi. This is going to be a two part episode. episode. I was going to save that for later, but that's fine. No, because it's been how many minutes and we're only just now getting to <laughs> theory number one. I told you I have 10 pages of notes. <laughs> But I had to understand everything in order to explain it. I get it. I get it. So leading into theory number one, which is that the pilot did it. And if that's the case, fuck that guy. So let's let's, let's explore, explore that. how they got to that option. So again, on March 8th at 1.19 in the morning, MH370 is flying on course over the South China Sea. Kuala Lumpur Air Traffic Controls calls them and says, hey, get ready to go to Vietnam airspace. Got it. So the captain responds with, quote, good night, Malaysia 370. As they are in this gray space waiting to reach Vietnam traffic control, they theorized that the captain then turned off himself all the electronics that would make the plane visible to the outside world and therefore vanished from radar. In anticipation of what's to happen next. The, the captain allegedly then purposefully turned off course back toward the Malaysian Peninsula, which is this way. Mm -hmm. He then turned the plane south and flew until his fuel ran out. And right at the end, he just did a fucking nosedive into the southern Indian Ocean. Do we have a potential motive for why the pilot would do that? Yes. At like, some point. You don't get to know that now. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, everyone is now... The media has completely run with this theory that they, the pilot did it. They are posting it on newspapers, on news sources, all this stuff. Everyone is convinced that he did it well, based I on this overwhelming amount of evidence. But to be, f to be fair... <laughs> Everyone is looking for an answer, a, yes. a why behind uh -huh. it. So the first whiff of uh -huh. some explanation people are going to latch onto, whether it's actually true or not. If it were me, you know what? Okay, let's let's put it in context here. Our dad used to travel to Malaysia. Cool. Oh, yeah, he did. 
that was a, a place that he visited often. So if God forbid he was part of said catastrophe, as soon as we heard any justifiable excuse for what potentially happened, be like, well, it, he's the fucking guy. Mm -hmm. Like that has to be the reason why that has to, I need the why uh -huh. behind something that happened. So I can totally see that. So some of the family members basically like you do, they rationalize it. They say, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Why not? They go with it. Others I need go the closure. Yeah. Others go, I don't believe that either flat out or they go maybe, but where is the proof? There is an overwhelming theme in this story, which is where is the proof? There is no physical proof of anything and any of these theories. It's just little tidbits that people are making fit into a scenario you, that you they want. You shoehorn the bits and pieces of yes. information you have to kind of fit a narrative that makes you feel better mm -hmm. about what happened, whether yes. that's the case or not. Which I, is why there's so many theories. I get that. And I guess we're only covering four, but... <laughs> I mean, it's a good amount. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more than that. Yeah. But. So that was the theory that most people went to. They were examining this guy's life. Obviously, they basically, you know, picked apart everything that the captain, he didn't look depressed. He didn't leave a suicide note. He didn't. Oh, that's right. Because it's not like he's alive or available. So to, they like, think this was, I, they think he was, this was a suicide slash homicide. So they're like, oh, okay, where's the evidence of this? Normally if people commit suicide. They leave some sort of note. Something has happened in their life that made them go down this what path. What is the why? They can't find any of that. Okay. On March 8th, 2015, one year later, everyone is still unable to locate the plane and it's not where it's supposed to be per the Emmerstadt data. So they said, okay, turned around and it went south. It, it should, should be, be in this here. area. And They've spent not. a year and they have not found one piece of this plane or anything to prove that that's where it should be. So families, again, are fucking pissed and they go, okay, if we're going to jump on theory one that the pilot did it, shouldn't what you guys are saying back up what that theory is so shouldn't it somewhere be in this area Absolutely. if that's what it is and that's what you're standing by publicly so that didn't happen oh oh so then we get right into theory number two which yeah. happened a year later because once a year happens everyone goes okay we need to start rethinking some stuff let's because look into it year. of course there's there's been no resolve so they go we can do a better job Let's start from the beginning, take a deep dive, and see what we can find to see if it matches up or if we can find a different solution. That's already exceeding the allotment that I would allow for this because uh -huh. it's been a year, 365 days. If this is your top priority, I get that the ocean, the oceans, the water on the globe is a lot to kind of take in. But I feel like if you have it narrowed down to a certain region at you least found that is something a in significant amount of time mm -hmm. to comb the area to get some scrap of evidence to quantify what the fuck happened mm -hmm. i agree so i'm i'm still in the 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 camp of the families are like i don't accept what you say okay where is everything all right so like i said a year later they started from square one and now theory number two emerges which it's the Americans. so this whole thing started by a guy he's super french uh his name super is it started like, with the Americans by a french. french so his wife and two kids were on mh370 but he wasn't correct so he lives in france speaks french only and his whole family is just fucking gone yes he, his name is Gislaine Waterloos. Not even going to try it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm pretty confident on his last name. Not we on his should first. ask mom. So we're going <laughs> to. 
Yeah, let me call her up. <laughs> so we're gonna, he's going to be referred to as the French man. The French man. So he's doing his investigation. And he was told that he needed to contact someone who went by the name Mr. B. And this elusive Mr. B was somehow closely connected to the Secret Service, which is a U.S. operation, mm. and that he had information about the flight. Okay. So the French man met with Mr. B, and the first thing that Mr. B told him was that the Americans knew everything that happened because there were two American AWACS, A-W-A-C-S, it's an acronym, I don't know what it stands for. Not Ewoks from Star Wars. <laughs> Correct, AWACS. <laughs> That had been monitoring the area at the time that MH370 disappeared. So what is an AWOC, you ask? I do. I do ask. So those are Boeing planes with huge radars on top. The radar monitors everything underneath the plane that it's attached to in a 600-kilometer radius. I am from America. How big is that? That was the first thing it just that sounded, I didn't understand sounded, when I went to Canada. What's a kilometer to a mile? I it, don't know. It sounds big. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be smaller I than don't have my think. phone. We have the internet. You have your Inter phone right there. Okay. 600 kilometers is 373 miles, roughly. Kilometer sounds bigger. It does. It sounds more impressive because that's going from here to Visalia, the armpit in which my in-laws live. Like, Wait a second. Is kilometers and kilos the same thing? Like on dumbbells, you know how they go? They say that's weight I know. versus distance. I know, but that's what I'm asking though. I don't think it's the same. Okay, okay wait, wait. Hold, let's let's circle back to this. Why are you asking about a weight measurement versus a distance measurement? Because when I was an EMT. <laughs> okay, we're going to take you through a journey here. When I was an EMT in Ohio. There's a lot of fat people in Ohio. No offense, but you guys are fat. And we had a dispatcher who was a dick. And she would try to trick us because the company Lady I worked dick. for, we had a rule that if someone weighed over 300 pounds, you had to send two ambulances. They okay. liked to put it into... In kilos because it was more... In kilos because it's half. Okay. So now... So I'm saying if it's 600 kilometers... Hold on. Hold on. By my EMT math, that would mean it's about 300 and something. Pounds to kilos, because now we need to it's go just down. A, it's like a half and a percent or something. So 300 pounds, we'll just use that as our baseline here, 136 kilos. So we would get like a 500-pound person, and they'd put it in kilos. So a 500-pound person would equate to only 226 kilos. So they go, you're under. And they think we couldn't read the kilos you versus the pounds the, oh so anyway <laughs> we really to go down that path but it <laughs> stuck in my head so back to what i was saying 25 minutes ago i don't even know where we were we walks <laughs> are boeing planes with huge radars on top and the radars monitor everything underneath the plane within a 600 kilometer radius or a 300 and change mile radius <laughs> So Mr. B told the Frenchman that the two AWOCs must have perfectly tracked MH370 and therefore the Americans knew where it had crashed and where it currently was. Americans are stupid. We don't know anything. <laughs> we don't even know kilometers. <laughs> so the Frenchman took that information. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like I said, he took every interview, every chance he could to tell the public 
that this information was out there, that this new theory was possible and plausible. And he even quit his job to 100% focus on this investigation. So he is balls to the wall, all in. He is like, committed. Got it. Uh, he even got other family members and loved ones of MH370 to gather with him and demand information. And because of this, he lived in France. Please don't do it again. <laughs> France. We come from France. Anywho, because of this, he charged America for acts of terrorism. The whole country of America. The whole country. So in France, where he lived, if you are to accuse someone or charge someone with this specific... Accuse! I'm sorry. Acts of terrorism. A judge is assigned right away. It's, everything is supposed to be very swift. Any information that America... The, you know, defended so in this case would be, seriously. yes, would have okay. to be passed over immediately. So this guy's like, fuck it, let's just sue him and let's figure it out. We'll ask questions later. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. So that is the part one out of two parts of the Malaysian Airlines flight 370. So if you want to reach us, you can go to our email, which is crackedsistersconspiracies at gmail.com. We also have Instagram, which we're pretty active on. That's probably the easiest way to get in contact with us. Same name, Cracked Sisters Conspiracies. You can reach out to us and give us episode suggestions, feedback, but nice feedback, please. We have a Twitter that we don't know how to use, but it's of the same name, as well as a Facebook that we also never use. But luckily, it is linked to our Instagram. So basically just go and follow our Instagram. We also have a Patreon that'd be patreon.com forward slash cracked sisters conspiracies. There are three different tiers. It's only a dollar, $3 or $5. It's a monthly fee. And with paying that monthly fee, you get certain benefits, specifically one being you can watch all the videos of us recording and the unedited shit show that that is, along with other perks that you could read all about on the website. So stay cracked, y'all, and have a great day.